you know, we, we talked about finishing and, and we didn't do that. But I'll say this, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of our team. I'm proud of our guys. Um, they, they did a lot of good things tonight. We're going to learn from it. It's a long season. Uh, you got to give credit to Green Bay. I thought they uh, obviously 12 coming back in the game. He showed out. He showed who he was. Uh, we knew that. So give credit to them, their coaches, their defense stepping up in the red zone. And um, it was a it was a uh, um, obviously one a good one for the for all the fans, a better one for for the Green Bay fans. But uh, again, I'm proud, proud of our guys. And uh, we got to grow from this. Grow from this. back everybody to the legendary stay Oz podcast i'm chris and we're here again with jordan what's going on brother welcome welcome i'll tell you what's going on monday came around jordan and i had to i had to calm down the bears fans yeah yeah so what is your uh your analysis what's your feedback from the Bears' 24-23 loss to the Packers. Oh, man. I mean, it it honestly was like the biggest roller coaster of emotion. I mean, when I was watching the game, I I felt the most excitement in a while for a football game. Mind you, for a hometown team that I felt in a long time, just anticipating and the build-up to, you know, seeing the defense dogging the Packers and the offense with their new – play calling and the new weapons they have and then it dropping off in the second half. I mean, it, it's almost like the good, the bad, and the ugly, you know, or just the good and the bad because first half, it was like the Bears were untouchable. They were a team that you could see making the playoffs. And then the second half, it was like, up. Oh, these are the usual Bears we usually see on TV from, from all these past years. So it, it was the tale of two halves. If, if I'm going to analyze it correctly, I got to say that I think they were just physically tired. Of course, something that we even talked about off the uh, podcast was, you know, the whole point of them not being able to play as much or not playing as much in the preseason, how that affects their uh, uh, readiness for the season. So maybe it was an issue with their energy level in the second half. But then again, also the adjustments that the Packers made, man, you know, you, you, you thought Aaron Rodgers was knocked out of the game, one, because we, we came after that man in the first half. His leg was messed up, and then he comes walking out of there like Paul Pierce out of the wheelchair just miraculously to come save the day for the cheeseheads. So 
Yeah, I, I would have to say it's the tale of two halves, man. You saw some things that you know in the future you can build up uh, off of and you look forward to uh, the Bears really uh, improving in. I think that they need to kind of work on the deep ball a little bit better. I thought that I would see a few more deep balls being thrown for Mitch. He needs to work on his pocket presence, staying in the pocket, being able to kind of maneuver around and uh, uh, manipulate the pass rushers. You know, so it's kind of like what Aaron Rodgers does, man. He, he wasn't mobile at all in that second half, and yet he picked the Bears apart, just picked them apart, man. So a lot of good things, a lot of, lot, of, lot of things that need to be worked on. And then, of course, you got Khalil Mack earning every penny of, of his, his rich contract, man. First half was just otherworldly, bro. So, so yeah, I, I was pleased, and I, 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 I will say I'm looking forward to many games this season. When the game ended, not even well, when the game, yeah, when the game ended, but it was, to me, it was over when Randall Cobb scored. Yeah. I was, I was at a friend's home. And if he's listening, I want to apologize to him. Because after that happened, I became uh, a, a terrible guest. My social skills went to pot. <laughs> I wasn't able to talk to people in in a manner in which would benefit anyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Though that was a level of rage. That was a level of rage. I had a hard time getting to sleep. Wow. And yeah, I had a hard time getting to sleep. And when I woke up Monday morning, everything was better. Because I had some thoughts, and I wanted to share those thoughts with Bears fans, and I did via the Instagram page at Stay Ice Podcast. It's also on the Twitter page, also yeah. at Stay Ice Podcast. And if you hadn't had a chance to look at that, I will read it for you. It's yeah. an open letter to all Bears fans, and this was therapeutic for me, and it will certainly be therapeutic for you also. And it helps us to keep things in perspective. So here goes. I invite all Bears fans to be patient. It was a rookie coach's first game. Many of the defensive players missed large chunks of training camp, so conditioning was lacking. Mistakes were made on defense. I invite all Bears fans to be patient. Mack was dominant after just a couple days of practice. The scripted offense looked good those first 25 plays. The Bears are a young team, and now they just have to learn to close. I invite all Bears fans to be patient. It certainly hurts. It's the Packers. A 20-0 lead was blown. But it's only game one. And Aaron Rodgers gets paid over $100 million for a reason. He's honestly, at worst, the second-best quarterback in the NFL. They were in Lambeau Field. I invite all Bears fans to be patient. The Bears simply have to go back to the lab and get ready for Monday night versus the Seahawks. You should not, you cannot, and you will not let the first game of a season kill your joy over this team's season. Man. Monday has passed. 
that was your day to waste time mentally and emotionally over this. There are 15 more games to go. Let's get it. Bear down. Oh, and December 16th is still circled on the calendar. Bear down. Man, well said. Well said, man. I read that earlier, and I thought that was the perfect way to explain how balanced we should be as Bears fans, you know, emotionally on a high and then a low. That was well said, man. It was therapeutic for me, Jordan. And I had to get it out. I, I had to to help other people out who who felt that same hurt that I felt, who went over people's homes and and for the last 20 minutes of being over somebody's house was a terrible guess. For the people who whose heart rushed up and down over that game. The yeah. Bears were rolling yes. in the first quarter. Steam rolling. Man. I mean, how did it feel for the Bears to get the football and to march down the field almost effortlessly and score a touchdown? Almost effortlessly. And then on the defensive end, and say what you will, Packers fans, those first few drives with Aaron Rodgers – the Packers were doing nothing. The Bears' defense was playing spectacularly. Akeem Hicks, Khalil Mack. Uh, who's the other kid on the end, the, the three-name kid? Oh, you're talking about uh, not DeAndre Houston Carson. You're talking about on the defensive. Uh, on the line. Uh, his name escapes me right now. I'll definitely remember it in a second. Yeah. But – they were making impacts up front. And I, and I knew the direction the game was going in when they were getting those holding calls. And I said, they're just getting, they're getting closer. They're getting closer. And then they got them. One yeah. of which put them out for over a quarter. Yeah. But you know, it, it, it's funny you mentioned all the different things that you felt, man. I swear it was almost like we were we were we were uh, uh, fused together or something, man. Because I was over my guy's house watching the game, and I'm I I, I couldn't have been the more, more any more joyful and sociable and happy in the first and second quarter than I've ever been. And I and I and I find myself to be I, I think of myself as as a very sociable person. I like talking with people. I love laughing with people. I love making people laugh. So that's part of me. That that's who I am. But when the Bears started just letting that that lead slip away, and I saw Aaron come out, I wasn't even bothered when he started walking out. I almost expected it. Like if it push come to shove, he's going to come back out. So I don't know what they put in his in his sock, whether it be some medicine, and they put like a a, a yard stick in there. I don't know what the heck they put in his sock sock to to splint that mess. But uh, I wasn't I wasn't worried. But then when things started going downhill, I was the same way. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was frozen at the at the screen. I was making sure I focused on everything that was going on. I was nervous. That fourth quarter, I was extremely quiet. I am never that quiet in a social setting. Then I had a guy, and I won't mention his name because I know it was all in good fun, but I had one of my guys who doesn't even like sports, was sitting at the table playing cards with another guy. And he comes over and he's like taunting and taunting, like, oh yeah, yeah, you really thought they were gonna win, huh? Oh man, look at this. 
Look at this. Aaron's coming back. Yeah, they're coming back. And it almost made me erupt. I don't know why I was so angry. I was like, dude, if you don't get out of my face, I, I, I just couldn't do it. So I needed that data to kind of just re, re refresh myself. I didn't get good sleep either. I went home and I even took to social media because I had a guy who is a a known Packers fan who lives in Illinois and he always gets messed from Bears fans, but now I mean he 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 brought it back tenfold. And you know this person very well. Well he lives in Indiana. Yeah. Well, okay, yeah, he's in Indiana technically, yeah. But I mean, oh my God, he has all the ammo in the world until they meet again. And I just couldn't stand it, man. So Monday comes around. I'm even talking to my coworkers like, yo, uh, I just can't believe this. Like everybody, it was even a hush or a silence over the tailgate in the morning. Like there were guys coming in just like, man, I, I just can't believe that happened. I just don't, I, I don't understand it. I was working with one of my coworkers that day and we were literally talking about that game and breaking it down all game, listening to 670 to score, breaking it down all day. And talking about, like, well, how in the world could that have happened? How did this break down? Why did Mitch not see Trey Burton wide open, as they showed on that, 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 that picture? Well, what happened? What was his first option? What was his second option? Why is he not more composed in the moment? And da-da-da-da-da. You know, and, and, and it was therapeutic. I needed to get that out because as of right now, I'm a little bit more even-keeled and I'm more sane and say, you know what, on to the next one. Seattle, I think, doesn't have a chance – even even the people in Vegas think that the Bears are going to win. So I think we're going to get right back on track. I think this is just a learning process. It's going to take its time. But, man, the Bears, they, they, they show flashes of, of, of great because that first quarter couldn't have went any perfectly. You're talking about stopping the best quarterback in the league, three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. I think on four straight possessions for the Packers. And then on the flip side, Mitch Trubisky was like his first, he was perfect in his first eight passes. He ran in for the touchdown. I'm like, it couldn't have gone any better. So you, you, you look at those positives, you build off that and you take that with you until the next time they meet. So that's all I'm looking forward to is when they come to soldier field, when they come to our turf, we got to handle business. It's necessary. In in analysis of this game, I saw some things. Mitch missed quite a few open looks, quite a few opportunities. And and NBC. <laughs> NBC. I respect Aaron Rodgers. I respect his abilities as 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 evidenced by my open letter. I think he's no worse than the second best quarterback in football. I, I argue that Brady is, is still one. Yeah, as far as it's, 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 I agree. It's debatable. it's debatable, but I argue that. Yeah. Brady, Brady's still one. But can NBC, can, can we not make this seem like this is the greatest event in sports history? And I know you got to get your ratings. It's the first week of the regular season. Yep. It's the first game on Sunday night. But why are we – I heard statements like, this is Willis Reed. I heard statements like, 
this is I've never seen anything like this. Yeah. He sprained his knee. Is diagnosed as a sprained knee. No tears. I mean, a sprain is a partial tear, of course, but no major tears. It's a sprained knee. Now, I don't know to what extent, but I put it like this. I recall being 15 years old and walking 10 blocks to the grocery store in a sprained knee. Yeah. Not to take away from the accomplishment. What he did with limited mobility and the adjustments that were made by the Packer coaching staff, uh, no, nothing short than than an excellent job. Nothing short of that. Yeah, yeah, I'll give him that. But NBC played this up as, as if it was just the greatest thing ever done in sports. Hate him, hate them all you want, or hate him all you want. Isaiah Thomas, when he played on that extremely sprained ankle, that's greater than what Aaron Rodgers did. Absolutely. Not only, not only in, in the athletic scope, but in the meaning of the game. When you look at the, the Jordan flu game. Mm-hmm. Yep. Where M- Michael would go to the bench every every other time out and throw up. He had to lean on players. He had to get ice packs and put on his head. He had a temperature of 103, 104. That's greatness when you when you're talking about in the spectrum of and the scope of the moment. When you talk about what Willis Reed actually did do. Now the Willis Reed game I believe is one of the more overrated sporting events in history, but he did do something. It, it was, it's confirmed that Willis Reed had a broken hip and came out and played those first few minutes and made a bucket. What Aaron Rodgers did again, excellent, excellent. Let's pump the brakes a bit. NBC, Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, highly respected in the business. Highly respect as far as I'm concerned as a broadcasting team and as individual members of the broadcasting community in football. Let's pump the brakes. Yeah, exactly. Aaron Rodgers' did was good. It wasn't remarkable. It wasn't overwhelming in, in the scope of history. Especially in a sport of football where you've had guys play on broken legs, broken arms, sprained ankles, torn ligaments, come out and play. Yeah. Philip Rivers played on a torn ACL. He lost the game for his team, but he played. So let's put these things in perspective. And I know you got to play this up, and I know this is Aaron Rodgers, and everybody loves Aaron Rodgers. Let's put it in perspective. Now that aside, looking at the positives, one positive you can take away from this is the scripted plays went wonderfully. Those first 2025 20, plays, beautiful. So what that tells me is this. Matt Nagy game plans well. Yes, he does. Yes, he looks he- at the team in front of him. He can dissect them. And he can script 20-some-odd plays and come out and march your team down the field. And that's important. In most games... Those first 25 plays, if you script them perfectly like he did, and you're up 14 nothing, 17 nothing, that's the game. In line with that, though, 
after those plays are scripted, you have to learn how to adjust with the flow of the game. Yeah, absolutely. And and honestly speaking, McCarthy and, and his coaching staff outcoached the Bears coaching staff because they made the needed adjustments. They yeah. saw that the Bears front line was murdering the Packers offensive line. Yeah. They were getting to Rodgers repeatedly. They were getting to Kaiser repeatedly, causing holding penalties. Now, mind you, the Packers still held in the second half. But when you run quick, fast-paced, no-huddle offense, yep, those holding calls don't stand out as much. There's less time for the officials to spot them. When you're snapping that ball and he's getting it out of his hands on quick routes, you those things don't stand out. They're not as glaring. And then you're also tiring the defense. No, I was going to say, man, I, I really uh, – I, I can't ever, ever underestimate a Vic Fangio-ran defense. Never will I uh, because he obviously has a an extremely good track record of knowing what to do on that side of the ball. But it just appeared, just appeared – as if they kind of pump the brakes. Yeah, the, the, you, when you see something not going the way it should, and, and I'm referring to the Packers in the first half, you make adjustments. That's what any good coach, any good team, any good organization would do. If something's not going right, you change the game. You change the plan. And you adjust to whatever is, 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 is stopping you from getting to your goal or, or success. And that's exactly what they did. They they quickened the, the 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 passes, you know. Obviously, with him going down and him not being as mobile as he usually is, or uh, manipulating the the line, Aaron Rodgers got that thing out of there quicker and quicker and quicker. So there was no time for Khalil Mack to uh, put his stamp on the game in the second half. There was no time for uh, uh, Floyd to do what he does. There was no time for uh, uh, Danny Trevathan to uh, put pressure. There was no time for it. And it doesn't seem like they blitzed a lot, too, to put more quarterback pressure on, to put more uh, pressure on the quarterback. Uh, So so it just didn't appear that they made adjustments to the adjustments. And that's what you got to do. It's a mind game. It's a game of chess. You make the first move, oh, man, you got me. Wait a minute. Okay, now I can move this way. Now what you going to do? And it was almost like, yeah, fatigue factored in, but – they, 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 it was almost like a, a, a break but don't bend or bend but don't break type of defense like they allowed them to get the, the little passes here and there. But if you constantly let one of the greatest quarterbacks do that, all he has to do is continue to just dissect you, break you down until he gets to his goal. If you're not going to allow him to, to, to throw the deep ball, which he, he was allowed to do. I mean, he, he, he threw a very, very perfect I have to give him props on that because Kyle Fuller really didn't do anything wrong. I felt like there was a little bit of a push off on that touchdown from Allison, but it, you know, it was ticky tack. So it wasn't really an issue, but Fuller didn't win the hand fight. You got to win that hand fight. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You, you, you do, you do. Cause you look at the, the, the replay of that. He, he, he kind of fought him just for a second but then when he came down with it, you know, it was almost like Kyle was trying to hurry up and reach out for me. He just didn't have enough. He didn't have enough uh, reach for him to really affect the catch. That then, and again, that prop, that's props to Aaron for throwing a, a perfect pass, I must admit. But uh, 
Yeah, it just didn't seem like you made adjustments to the adjustments. The Bears' defense, they didn't blitz as much as maybe we think they should have. And when they did blitz, though, it just seemed like it was the wrong blitz. That Randall Cobb play was a blitz, and that was the one play where Khalil Mack dropped back, but it was an up-the-middle blitz. Yeah. And that's what left that play open for Randall Cobb. And Eddie Jackson gambled, and that was it. Yeah. Um, That second half, the defense was gassed. They didn't – to me, they didn't rotate in enough guys. They just let the the guys they had on the field just burn themselves out. You got to stay with fresh people, and this is where depth comes in. You got to stay with fresh people. You played all your backups in the preseason. This is where you play them. Yeah. And you saw the – you saw the aftermath of, of certain effects. You saw the aftermath of not playing your starters for any any discernible length of time throughout the preseason. Again, practice reps, you can only you can only get so much work done. And you saw more teams this year, and we talked about this uh, earlier uh, off air. More teams decided to sit their starters, sit their key players, and now you're seeing guys winded. You're seeing injuries already, season-long injuries to key players. Absolutely. And I have to believe to a certain extent not playing those. Yeah, you want to limit the hits. You want to limit the car accidents. But now you're causing injuries in other facets and other areas of their body because they're just not ready for what's taking place right now. And also not to be uh, understated is defensive players who you can't play physical anymore. And because you can't play physically, you're seeing a lot of guys pull up, a lot of safeties pull up, a lot of linebackers pull up when they're about to have collisions with receivers and tight ends. And as a result, you're getting guys diving for the ball now as opposed to, you know, in certain zones, just letting the man catch it and hit him because now guys are scared to hit. Yeah, and and NFL has kind of instituted – a game where, or they're trying to institute a game where, and this may sound wrong, but honestly, this is how I see it, where everybody is thinking too much while they're on the field. They're not going off of their instincts. They're not going off of the natural feel of a football game. They're saying, okay, well, I know that probably this ref is looking at me, so if I go in and tackle him this way, I'm probably going to get called. So as they're running towards a person, maybe a million different things are are popping up in this, this linebacker's head, you know, and saying, okay, how do I tackle? All right, I'm going to go low, okay. But then at the same time, now that you do that, you're causing probably a chance for you to get injured because of how you're tackling. You know, you're, you're not so sure of what you should do, and that should never be in the game of football. A game of football is just about, hey, stop the person at all costs. If you want to win the game, you stop them from scoring. Score more points than the other team. It's really as simple as that. And now that we've gone to this seat belt you know, cushiony type of league. And, and and not that I'm saying that there's nothing, that there's there's something wrong with making sure that your players and that their health and their, their long-term health is, is, is cared for because you definitely don't want anybody to seriously get injured ever, whether it be in athletics or, or personally. But when you have someone who, this is his job, this is their career. They make millions of dollars to do their job. And football has been taught one way for years. So now you're trying to alter the way football is being taught and being played. Same thing if I go to my job and I'm being told to do something, 
but then after a while they change the rules up and now I don't, I'm not as effective or I'm not as good as I used to be. And the rule doesn't even make sense. It's like, well, why do we have to do this? Why am I implementing this into my job when it was going fine that this way? Yeah, there's dangers and everything. There's hazards and everything. But honestly, that's what you sign up for with anything. You know the pros, you know the cons to what you do. So when it comes to football, you know the cons of why when you play the game, you may potentially get hurt. You may potentially injure yourself. You may potentially do something that may be career ending. You know, so going in with that, this is what you signed up for. So I I, I, I definitely agree that, you know, it, it, it there's too much thinking in the game right now. I'll be interested in seeing and, and don't I don't want this construed the wrong way. I'd be interested in seeing, and if I'm the Bears, I'd be interested in seeing, watching how Minnesota defends the Packers this weekend. Mm. Because they play a, they play a very physical brand of defense. Uh, even in week one, you, you saw that their defense is, is going to be something to be reckoned with mm-hmm. throughout the course of the year. Yeah. So I'd be interested in watching them, seeing what they do. They don't run the same uh, base defense and the same sets. But I just I will be interested in, in seeing what they do. But back to the Bears. Even even still, when you, when you talk about the fatigue of the defense and Cal uh, Fuller with some big mistakes, allowing the deep ball, dropping the interception that would have sealed the game. Yeah. You still want to look at the offense. Uh, Trubisky missed a couple throws. NBC made a big deal out of the defensive lineman covering Tariq Cohen. He didn't cover Cohen. No. Cohen had three steps on him. And if Trubisky makes a good throw, that's a touchdown. Yep. You have the missed throw to Allen Robinson in the end zone. You have, and I don't know if this call is on Nagy or Trubisky, several third and ones and a third and two where Jordan Howard doesn't see the ball. And he's gashing the Packers. Jordan Howard's getting five yards a pop. Yeah, and they don't give him the ball on third and one because that one time the Packers stopped you. He's gashed them. Give him the ball, let him run it. Then, then Nagy got too cute. I understand. I appreciate him coming out and and showing different facets of the offense and letting Bears fans and NFL putting everybody on notice. We can run this. We can run this. Look what we got here. Look what we got there. Don't show too much of your hand too early. And don't get too cute, especially if it doesn't accomplish anything. I couldn't care less if Charles Leno is lined up as a wide receiver if it accomplishes nothing in the play. And I know a lot of it is window dressing. And maybe six weeks from now, we'll understand why he does it. And we'll go nuts as Bears fans. But as of right now, you're just showing a lot of razzle-dazzle. And there wasn't much substance to it. You have to run the ball with Jordan Howard. And even Nagy, one thing I give him credit for, he was very, very honest. This team looks like it's going to be a very honest team and evaluating itself. Trubisky and Nagy were both very honest about mistakes they made, which shows a willingness to go out, game plan, and correct those things. And that is very promising. Very promising. But we gotta, you got to clean up on offense. The Green Bay Packers decided to go with seven defensive backs after you killed them in that first half. And after they decided to play you with seven defensive backs for the rest of the game, you did nothing. 
they were daring you to run the ball down their throat. They say, hey, you want to give us all these different formations? You want to throw out all this razzle-dazzle? Yep. We're going to put seven defensive backs. And not just that, they don't have the linebackers and the linemen to deal with you. Yeah, exactly. You get behind Cal Long and Bobby Massey, and you run through those guys. They were wearing you out running fast-paced offense. You keep the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands. You run the ball. You're getting five yards of pop. You tire out their defense, and you run, and you run, and you run, and then that opens up the world for you because now they have to make an adjustment. They never had to make an adjustment defensively. And as for as solid as he was last year, Nick Kwiatkowski, Played a terrible football game oh on Sunday night. Look, man, look, that man was one, two, three steps short on every play. I saw him trying to chase down somebody. I don't know what happened, but I, it, it appeared like he was just overmatched in this game. If you're in the middle of a defense against a team that's throwing short routes the entire game and we don't hear your name, Something is wrong. Something is wrong. We heard Roquan Smith's name a couple times and didn't hear yours. And Roquan Smith only played eight or nine snaps. The first one was a sack. (laughs) So, you know, Roquan probably isn't going to be ready to start game two. Maybe he'll surprise me, but I don't think he'll be ready. Better be. He'll he'll get some more snaps, but I don't think he'll be ready to start. But Kwiatkowski has to step his game up. Has to. Yeah, I, I wasn't I wasn't impressed with Kwiatkowski. Obviously, the isn't on him. Like I said, I think uh, uh, the biggest thing is the play calling. Uh, a few of the play calls on offense that you mentioned, you know, running. This could have been completely different uh, as far as the end result. If a few things went our way, Kyle Fuller, obviously, with the butterfingers, you know, you're getting paid like a top cornerback. We need you to play like a top cornerback. You're not a receiver, but you have a pair of hands. And that ball was thrown to you in the numbers. <laughs> in the chest by the one of the best quarterbacks. So he the ball was thrown perfectly to you. So let let's 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 catch that ball next time, Cal. Come on, let's catch that ball. It was Aaron Rodgers. It was Aaron Rodgers' second most accurate throw. <laughs> I'm gonna need Kyle to work on uh, in the in the jugs machine uh room. Just just get that, get that, get that going. And then getting beat by Geronimo Allison, I'm sorry, that can't happen. You know, it can't happen. You know what? I read that apparently Geronimo Allison isn't fast, but like you know how game speed, there's a little bit of a difference. You know, I don't know what it is, but they were saying that that route was the fastest any receiver in that game ran, and so apparently he he put boosters on his shoes or something. I never thought that Geronimo Allison was going to be that big of a factor. I don't. I didn't think he was that good of a receiver. But uh, Aaron can make you into into a great receiver. But uh, that was just it can't happen. Kyle Fuller is getting paid like a top tier cornerback. You're getting paid in the in the upper ten to fifteen percent of cornerbacks in the league. Yeah. So when you think about upper 10 or 15%, you're talking to Jalen Ramsey's, you're talking to Patrick Peterson's, you're talking to Xavier Rhodes, the kid in Detroit. You're talking uh, Marcus Peters, Akeem Talib, Chris Harris. You're, you, you're talking about, I want to be mentioned in the, in the breath with those guys. Yeah. 
If you want to be mentioned in the breath with those guys, Geronimo Allison cannot burn you. Sorry. Sorry. To me, in my opinion, Patrick Peterson doesn't give that play up. Oh, no, not at all. Peterson, Peters, Boyer, no. They don't. So, tighten it up, Cal. I like you, kid, but you got to tighten it up. You can't let things like that happen. I'm rooting for you. I want you to be one of the top corners in, in the league, but that can't happen. And Prince of Mukamara, we saw him get hurt again. And, I, and I, I've said this, I've always liked the Mukamara, but he's he's a, a iffy, hit and miss starting corner in this league. He's not a game changer. And that, 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 that's cute that he wants to think that he, he's aiming for 10 interceptions uh, in the season, but uh, not getting off to a good start. So let's not, let's pump the brakes on those, those expectations. And I've said this, the Bears needed another corner. I would have liked to have seen them draft Josh Jackson. I know they drafted James Daniels, but you're not playing him. Yeah. And the Packers ended up with Josh Jackson and Zaire Alexander. I think if you play, if you draft Josh Jackson or Zaire Alexander, one of those guys is playing on Sunday. Yeah. And James Daniels may turn out to be a legend on the offensive line. He ain't playing now. And that's a high pick to not be playing now. Yeah. So is Roquan. And uh, yeah, obviously, for various reasons, we know why he isn't playing. But I, honestly, I, I give it some time. You know, give it some time. I, I think that uh, when all these guys come together and uh, we see the complete puzzle of this team, then you're going to like what you see. You saw little flashes, and we just got to keep being patient. Obviously, we want to still see them win games as they develop because, as we know, once they got Khalil Mack, they're pretty much saying, hey, we are going for it. We are all in. We are trying to make the playoffs, and once you get to the playoffs, things can happen. So we got to see some improvement as we win. You got to also have the mentality of a winner. You can't just keep losing and losing because that also affects the psyche. That affects your expectations from game to game. All right, well, we're going to go in and work hard, but we might lose. No, you got to expect to win a game. You got to do that. You got to know how to finish, just like Nagy said in the, in the, in the compressor. You got to learn how to finish games, finish them off. Got to finish. Got to adjust in the game plan. But let's see what happens against Seattle. There's a lot to chew on in game one, but it is only game one. Fifteen more to go. Let's get it, Chicago Bears. On to Seattle, here in Chicago, Soldier Field. Let's put a W on the board. Yes, sir. And to all my Detroit Lions fans out there, you know who you are. Crickets. <laughs> a, lot of chirping was, a lot of chirping was done by some Detroit Lions fans on Sunday night when they saw the, the Bears collapse. Yeah. And then Monday night came, and the New York Jets and their not-quite-ready rookie quarterback routed them yeah. in their house. And now Sam Darnold owns New York. Owns Thanks, Detroit Lions. Yeah. <laughs> There's that. I still feel like the Bears are, are going to make the playoffs and be one of three teams out of the – NFC North to make the playoff and the Detroit Lions will be the odd man out. Yeah. They are now the bottom feeder. I agree. So do you have a prediction? I'm not big on making predictions, but I like to make predictions, if that makes any sense. Because 
predictions don't mean anything, you're free to be wrong, and no one can hold you accountable for it. Okay. So hopefully nobody's taking this to Vegas. Don't don't do that. Gambling gambling is bad, and gambling based on our opinions is terrible. Absolutely. So predictions for the Seahawks and the Bears pending any injuries from now. Yeah, I'm gonna go 27-21 Bears out on top. I think that the defense is going to be a little bit less fatigued. I think they're going to be focused. We are coming to Soldier Field. The Bears are coming back home. Going to get a little home cooking. And uh, I think they're going to be very, very locked in based off of this this stinging loss. They're going to make sure that they're not 0-2. Quite frankly, they should be 1-0. So we're going to we're going to get to 1-1. I'm, I'm, I'm booking it. it it's, it's not even up for chance. The Bears are going to win this game. It's just a matter of how dominant they look on both ends of the, of the field, on both sides of the ball, rather. I think that Trubisky is going to do a better job of passing. I don't think this defense is as good, obviously, as it was when LOB was around, Legion of Boom. You know, those guys are now in different places or retired. And Earl Thomas, it's contract year, so he's going to do what he does, but he wants out too. So it's not as good of a defense. Russell Wilson doesn't have his best options. Jimmy Graham is gone. Doug Baldwin is out. So you got Brandon Marshall. (laughs) Welcome home, Brandon. (laughs) You got Brandon Marshall leading that wide receiving core. So I I really don't think that they're going to do anything. Russell Wilson is good, a good mobile quarterback, but as you can see, Von Miller got to him, I want to say four times, three or four times last week. So uh, Khalil Mack, it's time to eat some more. Bears defense, it's time to eat. Mitch Trubisky, get, get, get focused, hone in, do what you got to do, pass that ball around, give it to a few more wide receiving options. I want to see Anthony Miller do his thing. That's a little biased, but uh, I want to see it. So yeah, I think the uh, I think the Bears are going to come out on top, man. Twenty-seven, twenty-one. I'm right there with you. I'm looking at twenty-three, fourteen. Okay. I see Tyler Lockett is gonna gonna make some big plays against the Bears and, and their secondary. And that's gonna be just about it. Although it doesn't mesh with what I've won on a fantasy level because I have a, a few Seahawks. But it's not going to be a great week for them offensively. I think the Bears are going to come in with a chip on their shoulder from this past week. They're going to be an angry bunch. And they're going to come out and and try to make a statement early. And they're going to attempt to finish, and they will finish off the Seattle Seahawks. You're going to see a little better game planning from Nagy. And hopefully Trubisky is going to see the throws that he needs to see. And... You'll still see the work in progress, but Seattle, just like you said, they are good as they used to be. And it's going to show, and the Bears are going to snuff them out on Monday night, 23-14. I like that. I like that. If they put them down, if they, they keep them to 14 points, oh, man, I like that. That'll be nice. Just a uh, small segue before we go to our next topic. I want to send a shout out. I've, I've done it for football. I've done it for baseball. The sport I, I pretty much love the most, basketball, 
So I can't, I'd be remiss if I didn't, if I didn't grab a hold to this. I'm going to shout out the Hall of Famers, at least some of them for the National Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. That were inducted recently. So we're talking about Ray Allen, we're talking about Mo Cheeks, we're talking about Grant Hill, Jason Kidd, Steve Nash, Dino Raja. A lot of people don't remember Dino Raja. Yeah. He was, uh, he was big in the EuroLeague, big time European guy. But he came over to the NBA and played for the Celtics and was really good uh, when he came over to the Celtics. And a lot of guys from that era, as far as the Euros, came over later on in their career, in their late 20s and 30s. And, and they still played well, but a lot of their primes were spent over in Europe. But Dino came over and, and did some solid things for the Celtics when he finally did come over to the NBA. Also, some respect to WNBA players Katie Smith and Tina Thompson. Oh, yeah. And the man who drafted Michael Jordan, Rod Thorne, finally in the NBA Hall of Fame. It's about time. Yeah. Yeah, shout out to Tina Thompson, man. I'm glad you gave some respect to the WNBA. Man, that was one of the first teams I ever watched play. Uh, When the WNBA started coming around, man, the Houston Comets were winning almost every year with – Cooper and Thompson and Swoops, man. That was my squad, man. I watched them faithfully. They were doing their thing. So, yeah, shout out to Tina Thompson, man. Well-deserved. I didn't really get too much into watching the the Basketball Hall of Fame, so I'm glad you shouted out all those names. I I really didn't keep track of, you know, who all was in there. I knew about Kidd and Allen uh, and a few others, Grant Hill. Don't know who Dino is, so I'm glad you mentioned him and, you know, discussed what he was about. Rod Thorne, obviously, is very deserving of that. You pretty much drafted the best player ever to play the game, the GOAT. So, you know, that that goes without saying. And just to kind of be in the same field with that, be in the same ballpark with that, I have to give a shout-out, man, because this man retired recently and didn't really talk about it. And I just want to take this time out to quickly say thank you, Manu Ginobili, for all your years in the NBA, man, coming from the EuroLeague. You were a beast. I really, really, really had a ball looking at that man play, watching that man play, especially early Manu Ginobili, full-haired Ginobili, just attacking the rim, you know, the Euro stepping and the dunks and just, oh, my goodness. He was a beast, man. That Spurs team back then was very fun to watch. The young version of the Spurs team, you know, was very fun to watch, man. So shout-out to Manu, man. Great career. Great legacy you left. A good guy, all on and off the court. Definitely will be remembered. Yeah, in a few years, Manu's going to be on, on one of those lists that I just read off, man. He, he's well-deserving. Uh, he was, he was a, a culture maker and breaker. Yeah. I only have one beef with Manu Ginobili's career. Uh-oh. What you got? And it's not even Manu's fault. So this is to everybody out there. Manu Ginobili is not European. <laughs> He's from South America. Not Europe. Jeez. <laughs> you okay? <laughs> I'm listening. You know, when he retired, I'm listening to all this analysis. You, you know, we really appreciate how the European basketball player played. And I'm keep thinking to myself, like, he's not European. Well, you, you're actually teaching me. This is a teaching lesson for me as well. I didn't know that. This is a teaching lesson for you? Yes. I'm going to be honest, man. I don't know everything, and I will never, ever act like I do. So you, 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 are you in the game? 
Are you aware of where Argentina is located? Apparently not. I thought it was in uh, in Europe. <laughs> I'm just assuming that it was in Europe because of EuroLeague. I didn't really do my research on that. I just thought that he was a European. He's from Argentina. Well, there it is. So I'm, I'm guessing Nocione Andres is a South American as well, huh? Exactly. Okay. All right. Thank you. I'm okay. a wiser now. I'm a bit wiser now. Thank you. Look out for those European Brazilians. <laughs> <laughs> the European Russians. Yes. That's closer. <laughs> I take that. I take the European Dino Raja. There you go. <laughs> the Russian European. Yeah, that that's that's always irked me when people said that. I understand what they mean. It's a foreign basketball was sculpted in Europe, and a lot of those guys, even in South America, had to play in Europe professionally yeah. before coming to the NBA. Yeah. I get it. But he's not a European basketball player. Unless something changed. Well, all right. You know, people don't use globes anymore. So something may have changed. Everybody's Google mapping it. And that's another thing. Why is it there are people walking around who don't know certain things or have questions about certain things when information is more readily available than ever before in history? You literally yell at your phone for facts and it gives it to you. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, it's just like, and I know I've done it. I'm guilty of it on this podcast because I've asked you where certain restaurants are and we talk about restaurants and we'll talk about that later. But I've asked you where certain restaurants are. I'm guilty of it. But just take time to stop and think. All of us. All of us. Myself included. Speaking of stopping and thinking, let's talk about Serena Williams. Yeah, man. Yeah. So the U.S. Open, it was U.S. Open, right? Uh, I believe so. And women's tennis, and I'm not sexist, women's tennis is kind of the only regular women's sport I watch. You talked about the WNBA players. I'm aware of them. I've seen highlights, and I know who the better players are, but I can't get through a game. It's it's kind of painful. I used to I used to be into WNBA when Elena Deladon was on the sky. Like I watched him because Elena Deladon was or is a beast. But once she got traded, which I don't know why I heard there was personal reasons why she wanted not to be here. But uh, that 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 kind of cut me off from watching women's basketball. And uh, I have to agree that pretty much is the only uh, only sport that I watch is Serena Williams when she dominates. So yeah, I'm with you. It's just, I, I tried the WNBA thing, and, and when Della Don was with, with the Chicago Sky, I tried it. And I got through, like, half a game. And I even considered going to a game. Because, you know, sometimes you go to an event, and it's better than watching it on TV. And I considered going to a game, and I actually knew a guy who, I think from his job or something, got season tickets to the Sky for one year. And we were going to go. And then I kind of lost touch with him. But because it's the WNBA, I wasn't really trying to find him. It wasn't something I was pushing for. It was like, I was never like, I got to find him. And I was really trying to go to the Sky game. Didn't do that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I understand, man. But back to tennis and Serena. She matters. <laughs> and um, she really thinks she matters a lot. Well, then, so Serena will argument to that, but yeah, go ahead. She does. She does. <laughs> Serena Williams during the U.S. Open and the U.S. Open Women's Final was given a warning that she was being coached by her coach who's sitting in the stands. Yeah, during the game, yep. So during the match, the coach admittedly, after the match, rather, the coach just said, admittedly, yes, I was coaching Serena, but probably she didn't see me because it's hard to see in the stands and more times than not, they're not looking up there. Yeah. And by his word, and I believe him, every coach coaches from the stands. Yeah. There's even people who aren't coaching who coach from the stands. Yeah. So it's, it's a slippery slope, slippery slope. So she was penalized for that, uh, given a warning. So she thought that the warning was kind of negated because she complained so when she lost a point and threw her racket down, obliterated with such not just through, with obliterated. Such force. <laughs> oh my goodness, the force! Oh, I do not want her mad at me. Well, man, I'm going to get to that. Okay, with such force that it obliterated the racket, she was then penalized again, and it cost her a point because it was her second warning. She thought the first warning didn't stick, so she lost it. So when she lost it, and Serena has this, and this is part of what we're going to get to, <laughs> Serena has this thing where she likes to belabor the point. So she's things aren't going well. Miss Osaka, right? And this is Osaka, right? Yeah. Osaka, and she's been on the the tour circuit, and we'll get to that. Uh, she's, you know, winning pretty handily in this match. Yeah, she was doing her thing. Doing her thing. So Serena keeps chirping, 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 and then she basically, after she lost that game that she had the point deducted from her, basically came back at the back at the court official and said, you're a thief, you stole that game from me. At which point he penalized her again, <laughs> which is huge. Yes, and that in a game of tennis, that is that is enormous. Because you only have to lose six of them. Yeah, that's like taking a touchdown away. Exactly. So, with good reason, she's upset. I argue she was going to lose anyway, but with good reason, she's upset. Yeah. And her defense was, hey, it's a double standard. Men argue like this all the time in tennis. And why am I being penalized? I see her point. I don't agree with it. But I see it. Unfortunately, there are different codes of ethics for different sports. There are different codes of ethics for different Sports as related to gender, unfortunately. Por ejemplo, in basketball, if a fight breaks out at a Cavs Raptors game, it's 
it's a big deal, but it's a meh, right? Yeah. Unless a big time name is involved. Exactly. If a fight breaks out at a Sparks Sky game, it's a bigger deal. Because these are women. They're supposed to carry themselves differently. So, yeah, there is a double standard. Yeah, you don't expect it as much. But I argue to an extent, I argue that that can put you in slightly of a better position. Because that's not expected of you. Because you're expected to carry yourself carry yourself better than a guy. Yeah. Guys, we don't think. We're cretins. You're expected to process and think. And in the heat of competition, anything can happen. There is a double standard, but I don't think it's as bad as, as we want to point out. What are your thoughts yeah, before I get to... Serena specific items. I'm I'm with you with that. Uh, I I think that she was fair in her assessment of what was going on. I don't think that a game should have been taken from her. And uh, she no. alluded to, you know, this happens every time I come here. There's always something wrong. Uh, and and I think she kind of played to the crowd. Crowd. There was one instance where she was complaining about the uh, the call and about the coaching. Rather, that was the first time. And she was saying he wasn't coaching me. He wasn't coaching. It wasn't coaching. She just kept repeating it. And, you know, the guy was, you know, I don't know. I, I, I didn't see it that way. And he was he was stating his argument. And then all of a sudden she started getting louder and louder and talking about I'm a mother to my children. I don't cheat. I never cheated. I never do this and pointing and getting louder. And then you start hearing the crowd clapping like, yeah, let's go, Serena. And then she turned around and said something else. You will never call another game for me again or like so now she has authority over the whole tennis corporation so it, it you know and and people obviously like you mentioned in a, in a bit in, in a sense people who are a little bit more impactful in certain sports they do have some 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 leverage they do have more of a voice let's you know just be honest with that too you know even on the side of gender or whatever the case may be if you're someone who is a legend or a great in a sport your words carry more weight. You know, LeBron James, your words carry more weight. What you do on and off the court carries more weight versus Cameron Payne. Nobody cares what he does on and off the court. We don't anywhere doing right now, but we hear about LeBron all the time and the impact he has in his community, blah, blah, blah. So going back to Serena, I think she played on that. And she kind of she kind of made it worse than what it needed to be, or she made it bigger than what it needed to be. However, I do think that the 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 judge didn't need to deduct the point from her. I believe that she could have chosen chosen her words a little bit more wiser in the moment instead of calling her him a thief and giving him the ammo he needed to do that. She could have just kind of quietly tried to regroup. She probably knew, you know what, I'm getting bested by, right now by this young, uh, talented tennis uh, player on the other side. Uh -huh. I could just, just kind of broke her down. And, and, you know, every now and then, the greats, the greats lose. People lose. doesn't matter how great you are, you lose. So she could have taken that with a little bit more dignity and class on that end. However, I do not think that she was wrong in stating certain arguments. And here's my thing. You can't utilize the double standard in your favor on both ends. 
you can't say that, well, if a man argued this, he would be treated differently and then blurt out, I'm a mother to my children. <laughs> I would never as a mother teach my daughter this. Because now you're using a standard that a man can't use. So it's kind of of, of, a, of a double-edged sword there. But that that's inconsequential. Yeah. And she says that, you know, the, the previous men have done it. But along with that, they are viewed as crybabies. McEnroe is viewed as a crybaby. Oh, my God. Connors was viewed as a crybaby. Yes. So you can hold the same standard as those men. But... They were still they still held those labels. So you're going to have that label. Now, I thought about something. You spoke on it. I thought about something earlier on my train ride home. Yeah. And as far as Serena, if some if this happens every time she plays at the U.S. Open, how about one year you come out and openly say, you know what? Something stupid happens to me every year at the U.S. Open this year. I'm going to forego it and see what the WTA tennis association does after you do that just see use your juice use your pool you're the biggest star in tennis now do you fear that the sport will move on without you it's possible yeah but you're the biggest star in tennis use your pool for quite some time women's tennis has been more exciting more popular than men's tennis because, in, in most part, because of the Williams sisters and Serena. Use your pool. See what happens. You may not have to be subjected to this anymore. But I could not be married to Serena Williams or date her. And I know, you know, people are hot and cold on her as far as, you know, the male perspective is concerned. I couldn't do it, man. Like, her... Can you imagine arguing with her? Yeah, I, I don't imagine arguing with her at all. I, I imagine her slamming my head on the ground, just like the racket, tennis racket. So whatever Serena wants me to do, I will do. Serve. I'm not worried about that. Love. As long as I get to love, that's all that matters. I'm a pretty stocky guy. I'm not, I'm not uh, concerned about losing that battle. I just... The way to get to me is is the nagging and the whining. I mean, you can't physically threaten me. That does nothing for me. <laughs> it's the nagging and the whining. I'm like Samson. Yeah. It's like God, stop, stop whining. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you everything you need to know. It's in my hair. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Shut up already. <laughs> but yeah, you know. The other thing I, I don't like that came out of this is this young lady, Osaka, had a great run that was culminated in winning the U.S. Open over the most famous female athlete in the world, the most famous tennis player in the world. Yeah. And I hate for her that she's doing all these interviews, going on all these talk shows. And she still has to talk about Serena Williams because at the end of the day, it was still about Serena. And I hate that for her. Yeah. She did so well. She made such, such a good run. She was beating top-notch talent. She's a star on the rise. She's young, powerful in build. They're saying she's 
as close to Serena as, as anyone right now. And I, I hate for her that she has to endure this, that it's still all about Serena. And I know Serena tried to give her props and, yeah. and, and kind of take some of the shine and put it back on her. But it was too late at that point. Yeah, it's tried to be smooth about it. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it's too late at that point. Congratulations to her. You know, she's she's been on all the talk shows. She's she's made the circuit. Uh, still still active in that. And she's got a bright future ahead of her, from what I'm seeing. And you know, she's gonna be doing it for a while. And it may turn into a bit of a rivalry before Serena calls it quits. And here's another thought too. And nothing against Serena. I enjoy playing watching her play tennis. It may be time for her to kind of pull back a bit. I don't I don't know if the anxiety is getting to her. She's a mother now. And I'm not saying that mothers can't be active and mothers can't dominate in sports. And I'm not saying any of that before we go on that. <laughs> but, you know, she may want to pull back a bit. I know she's had her history of injuries and she's taken breaks, but, you know. But that's just me, man. I'm the type I had. I had my kids. I wanted to pull back and enjoy life a little more. Yeah. Maybe everybody got built like me. But moving on kind of a tedious subject. <laughs> I mean, it was. We're going to talk about the White Sox and the Cubs. And yes, I'm going to talk about the Cubs. And yes, I'm going to talk about the White Sox. Jordan and others who are Cubs fans. I'm going to talk about the Cubs. And I'm going to try to be as positive as possible. Oh. But I am also going to say it is Recorded. It is in the annals, if you will. Ah, here we go. Here we go. I told you so. In our pregame for the podcast, your main concern that we're going to talk about is what I told you. And people tried to dismiss me and tell me, oh, oh, it's not going to make a difference. Oh, I can't believe you spent so much time talking about them. Who's creeping up, Jordan? It's not that they're not cre- it's not that they're creeping up. They've been around for a very long time this whole season. But the Milwaukee Brewers have constantly been playing, you know, sneak up on the Cubs for a while now. And and this past series with them, uh, it, it was back and forth, back and forth. But the Milwaukee Brewers got the best of the Cubs. Uh, but here, here, here's what I will say with that. In baseball, you have a very long season. So there are going to be times where your offense, no matter how good it is on paper, they're not going to hit the ball. They're just not going to do it, whether it be against good pitching or bad pitching. There are going to be days where you just don't have it. And right now, the Cubs are stuttering in their games. They're not hitting the ball. People are still coming, you know, trying to get healthier but they're not hitting the ball the way they should or the way you expect them to. And so they're struggling. Uh, Milwaukee, I believe, is a game behind. I don't know what Milwaukee did today or if they had a game. Thankfully, the Cubs did win against the Nationals by one. But uh, they're, they're breathing down the Cubs next. And, and right now, the Cubs do need to figure out a way to maintain their lead. I still am not afraid of what is going to happen because even amidst all of these these struggles, they still have the best record in the NL. So you can't take that away from them, but they do need to get on their game. They need to get better with their hitting. Their offensive struggles are evident right now. 
and you just got to get on your game. So from from a, from just from analyzing it, that's what needs to improve. The Milwaukee Brewers went out and did what they needed to do to be a viable challenger to the Cubs thrown in the NL, and they're doing their thing, man. Honestly, they're hot right now, and when you're hot and you're on a roll at the right time, you know when it when it comes down to the to the playoff race. You know, more than more times than not, you're going to win. So I think Milwaukee Brewers are going to be in the playoffs, whether it be a wild card or whether they take over the, the division. You know, it's no worries, but the Cubs will be right there. They need to get their act together, though. The Cubs are good. They're a good team. Uh, it took a lot out of them to say that, didn't it? No. No, it didn't. I'm, I'm all about facts, man, and I'm looking at the standing. It's ripping right now just from saying those words. You are getting no. a minor headache and a heartache right now from stating that. No, the Cubs are good. <laughs> I'm looking at the standings. It is an irrefutable fact that the Cubs have the best record in the National League. Can't contest it. Can't refute it. There's nothing that can be twisted or said. The Cubs are good. They are 24 games above 500. They're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh. Just give it, get to your bad news because I know it's coming. But what? And and Murphy has been hitting. Well, he's kind of taking a slump now, but he's still a good hitter. So that that's obvious. Well, when he first got to the Cubs, he was hitting. Yeah. He was hitting. So baseball is full of ups and downs. The Brewers have managed to stay fairly cons- – they hit that slump. When we last talked about the Brewers and the Cubs, they were the Brewers were in their slump. Yeah, and they they fell back, and then the Brewers got hot. They've won eight of their last ten. But fortunately for the Cubs, they are currently in a series with annual punching bag, the Washington Nationals. So you're gonna steal off them for a few weeks, and everything will be back to normal. People have confidence. And the Cubs again. Well, we'll see. We will see. Like I said, I don't know. I don't have confidence in any team coming to come and, and playing us and just just penciling in a W. That goes for any baseball team. You just can't assume that because the Nationals were supposed to be good. You're right. They they somehow they seem to always goof up, and right now they're they're tearing the team down. Obviously, we're indicating that with Daniel Murphy coming here, but you know you just can't overlook any team. So hopefully they are a team we can kind of just get our bearings back together with. But we will see. Well, you know, today was a close one. They need to kind of get that offensive firepower going so it's not in doubt. But just keep winning. Just keep flying that W. That's what I need to see. Yeah, and so the thing about Milwaukee is they, they tried to shore up their weak spots. Milwaukee is going for this year. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen after this year, but they think that the Cubs are vulnerable. And they went for it this year. They went out and got Mike Moustakis in addition to Scope and the possibly the best outfield in the National League. And then their pitching was mediocre at best, so they went out and grabbed Gio Gonzalez. And, you know, that, that's a bit of an improvement. So hopefully that can, that can get them, hopefully for them, they can get them to the playoffs. That's what they're banking on. They still got Aguilar, who's who's. He still hits the ball hard. So, the Cardinals have faded. I think Carpenter's cooled off, right? 
Yeah, I think but, the, uh, the, the, the Brewers are definitely – they definitely got the pieces. Uh, the most important thing for that team is their bullpen, man. Their bullpen has been great and dominant all year. Jeffries and Hader, of course, and a few other guys. Uh, and, and that's kind of the name of the game lately, especially when you get into the playoffs for baseball is how deep is your bullpen? Because now nowadays many teams are not trying to drag their starting pictures you know, all the way into the, the, the wee hours of the night, you know, pitching 120 pitches. You know, those days seem to be few and far between. You have a few that can still go the distance and throw that many. But more times than not, you know, you got starting pitchers that are, that are going to throw a good 85 to maybe 100 pitches, maybe mid-90s. And then if you can get to six or seven innings, you've done your job. And give up only one or two runs, you've done your job. And then give it over to the bullpen. So if you have a dominant bullpen, then they can take care of the rest. Kind of like with uh, with the uh, uh, the Royals back when they won, when Mustakas was on there and Hosmer, and they had that dominant one, two, three bullpen with Davis at the end of it. You know, they had that 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 formula down packed, and that's what a lot of teams are doing. So Milwaukee, Milwaukee definitely has that formula. They they do need to get better with their pitching, but we'll see. We'll see how far they go. They they got some good Lorenzo Kane, Yelich. They got those good guys over there. So so we'll see. It's gonna be a dog fight. The thing about those Royals though, man, those Royals were tenacious. They just were like chip away at you. Not only did they have the bullpen, they had great defense up the middle. Yeah. You know, they, they believed in old school baseball and they would chip away at you, chip away at you, a lot of extra base hitters. Not a lot of home run power was on that team. A lot of extra base hits in that group. A lot of good speed. Nothing, nothing. I think they had one or two guys that were just overwhelmingly fast, but everybody could just run. And they scored runs. They made baseball easy, as easy as could be without hitting home runs. That's a good way of putting it. The Brewers are, are more of a, you know, let's knock the cover off the ball. Let's try to get up six to nothing. And hopefully our pitcher can hold you to four runs and then we'll hand you over to the bullpen and get you over to Hader and Jefferson and all those guys. Yeah, yeah. Which is a good formula. I, I will admit that that, that they, they definitely uh, have that down pack. So we'll see. We'll see what happens, man. Cubs just got to continue to win, continue to win the series or, or, or win most of the series and uh, keep an eye on, on what Milwaukee is doing. They've been hot for a minute, so hopefully they go back into a – a uh, 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 slump and uh, get on out of here. <laughs> Don't worry. They're playing the Nationals. They slap them around all the time. <laughs> okay. You need a good team or a relatively good team to come to town and, and validate how good you are by kicking the snot out of them. Come on to Wrigley Field, you Washington Nationals. <laughs> Don't look now, though. Guess who might win the West? And who is that? The Dodgers. <laughs> yeah, they always find a way. No one wants to see them in the playoffs. Nobody wants to see the Dodgers in the playoffs. And they're just creeping their way on up. So it's going to be exciting because I'm really looking forward. I mean, the Cubs are likely going to be in. I mean, nothing's clinched, but they'll likely be in. Yeah. I'm looking forward to see what the Braves do with that youth and getting that playoff experience. 
Yeah. And the Dodgers are making moves. I think they'll eventually overtake the Rockies. I'm looking forward to seeing what they'll do. But right now, record-wise, the Cubs are the best team in the National League. And they'll be uh, holding it down in Wrigley through the NLCS. Yeah, we will see. Because in the AL, the Boston Red Sox have already won 194 games. <laughs> Did you say 194? <laughs> 194 games. <laughs> they have not lost one minute, one bit, huh? <laughs> they have won so many games that teams are giving them games. <laughs> just here, just just here. Take it, take it, just take all of them. <laughs> Yeah, they are dominant, man. Uh, Mookie, Sale, oh my goodness, all those guys. Sale hasn't even been pitching. No, no, he hasn't. But uh, what you call it is making a good comeback, man. I thought that he fell off once he left Detroit, but uh, trying to think of his name, Justin Price, David Price. Yeah, Price is Price is doing his thing, man. They got a good, good, talented team, bro. The Killer Bees and JD Martinez, man. Mm, JD. But since we're in the American League, let's talk about the Chicago White Sox and the electric Michael Kopech, who is so electric that his arm don't work no more. Yeah, I think he electrocuted himself. And honestly, I was waiting for this to happen. Because you know what pitchers do nowadays, right? Because Tommy John's surgery is so common, pitchers don't care if they throw out that uh, UCL. So I was waiting for this because the UCL is is that surgery is so common now. It's more common, I think, than ACLs, and that that surgery has become so routine. And I think I was watching some kind of documentary on this that pitchers now are trying to blow it out so they can get the Tommy John surgery out of the way. So that's why you see guys throwing harder than they've ever thrown before. Because guys are trying to blow it out, get the Tommy John surgery. It actually makes the UCL better than it was. And guys come back throwing harder. Because they're now, they're playing with house money now. So I was waiting for Craig to blow it out. If you're, if you're in the minors throwing 105 and you come up to the majors and you're regularly hitting 98, 99, 100, and then you're throwing curves with 10-inch break, and hard sliders, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. So a lot of people say, uh-oh, look at this. I, I'm, I'm not overly worried. When you have hard-throwing guys like that, that's going to happen. Okay, I'm with you on that. Uh, let's, let's just pump the brakes for a minute. Now, you got you, – yes, I was going to let you, you know, do the due do, do diligence with, the, with, with Kopech, but I have to make one argument. Kopech mm-hmm. did not go, come into the MLB season thinking I am going to do this on purpose so that I can be even better than what I am right now. Kopech is all effort, 100% go hard. You can tell by the way he throws when he started pitching in, in, in the minors how, how much effort he puts into his pitching. The dude is a dog. He is a beast. I am very in agree. I, I am in full agreement with you about him being very electric, and I look forward to him doing what he does. But I cannot get with you on the fact that, or or the assumption that you think that he did this on purpose, or that you expected this to happen. 
That is that. Come on. That is that no, little I, far. I, I expected this to happen. Here's the thing. So you wanted him to be gone for two years. Just I didn't say and throw one. Thing, the radar gun is going to explode when he comes back. Huh? I didn't say that either. <laughs> and he's not going to. He's not going to be gone two years. So twenty. So what? He's coming back to twenty, 20 man. Twenty is almost over. That's so the point. He's going to be gone for another MLB season. He'll be back two years from now. Yeah, but it'll be the beginning of 2020. That's true. I agree. He'll have to miss this season and the next season. That There is no this season. Look, man, hey. That, what were the White Sox trying to accomplish this season? Have you seen the record? I agree with you. The record sucks, and yes, they're not going anywhere. But do you honestly think Rick Hahn had this in the plans for them to be reborn while waiting? I'm not saying. <laughs> expecting something and necessarily planning on it and hoping it happens are, are different things. When I say I expected this to happen, I'm basing this. I can't. I tell you, I can't remember the documentary I saw. It may have even been like a YouTube documentary, but it was talking about how these guys they throw harder now because it's it's kind of like they they they're throwing caution to the wind. Back back in the day, guys used to worry about throwing too hard because they didn't want to have. Tommy John surgery, but because now it's so routine and you bounce back from it and in many cases are a better pitcher, guys aren't as cautious anymore when they throw. That's what I mean by like, you know, I'm not saying he was trying to have it happen, but what I'm saying is he wasn't being cautious about it not happening. I'm going to throw as hard as I can and if it happens, oh well, so be it. If you understand what I'm saying. No, absolutely, I agree with that part. If you're, if I, I just thought you were assuming that you know he's going to go in and knowing that eventually he's going to, something's going to happen where he has to get it fixed and then miss time. So no, I don't think anybody, whether or not it's more of an epidemic now than ever, is coming in saying, you know what, I I I, I expect this to happen. I know it's coming. Yeah, a lot of people are throwing. As they're not as 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 you know, careful with their pitches or, or careful with their 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 uh, uh, balancing out or leveling out their spit their pitch speeds. Yeah, a lot of people are throwing harder and harder. Yeah, I agree with that. You don't necessarily want it to happen, but but my ultimate point is, you kind of it's it's not the first thing. You're not conserving because you fear it. You don't fear it. You don't want it, but you don't fear it, if that makes sense. I'm with you on that. All right. Yeah. So as a fan, I expected it to happen because usually guys who throw that hard are relievers. So when you're throwing that hard, six innings a night, even though most every time he threw it was rain shortened, when you're throwing that hard, six, five, six, seven innings a night, eventually, yeah, that thing's going to go. And then they're going to get a, a, a cadaver ligament or a monkey knee, and then they're going to put in your arm, and you throw like a monkey. <laughs> throw like a monkey. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, hey, man, if the man is already throwing 98, 99 on a regular basis, if he comes back and, you know, hopefully everything goes well because I truly am looking forward to seeing the finished product and him doing what he does, you know, when he does come back 
and hopefully his trajectory, you know, is up. And by that time, hopefully, you know, Eloy and whoever else, Dylan Cease, whoever else is coming up, can maintain their health and do what they are supposed to do at the major level, major league level. And uh, that, that Sox team can continue to make progress, man. I mean, I only want the best for any, first of all, Chicago sports team anyway. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see. And that's where our similarities end. So what? <laughs> I will acknowledge, but I don't root or desire. The White Sox are in line to get the third or fourth pick. And and the I don't think the number one pick is in reach, but the number two pick is in reach. So hey. Let's go for it. Well, that's good. Keep building keep keep racking up the potential. Potential has to turn into reality. Otherwise, potential is just potential. You've seen the Bears do it a million times. And you gotta it has to pay out. It has to pay its dividends. The Bears weren't doing it on purpose. The White Sox kinda are. Well, hey, we'll see. We will see. I I I have no problem saying that I like both sides of town. Obviously, everybody knows what allegiance Chris is for and who I root for more, but I will never ever say I hate the White Sox because I don't. There's nothing that the White Sox have done personally to my life. And there's nothing the Cubs have done personally to Chris. Chris is just a mad man. But you don't know what the Cubs have done to me. I'm sorry. They 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 put you in the room with a Billy Goat and he did strange things to you, apparently. <laughs> I had to point to a dummy and show them what the Billy Goat did to me. <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay. That's cool, man. Everybody knows we got love for our team, man. But no matter what, if Chicago's on top, that's what matters. I used to be a Cub fan. I really did. No, you told me. So you don't know what the Cubs have done to me. (laughs) Okay, fine. Fine. We don't have enough time left in any episode we do. Because it's not important enough to devote that much time to. Okay. <laughs> but you know what it is important? What is? And we always devote time to it. Come on with it. Food talk, restaurant of the week. Yes, sir. It is time. I'm going to bless y'all with an eatery. Wait, wait, wait. Are we, are we, did, now we mentioned this earlier uh, uh, last week. Are we dubbing this 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 part of the the podcast the Grub Report? Or are we still figuring out the, the the details with that? It's tentatively the Grub Report. I don't like the name. Okay, all right, okay. So how about this? If you're listening, DM us in the uh, uh, Instagram thingy at Stay Us Podcast. <laughs> Tweet us. At Stay Eyes Podcast. If you're one of our friends and you're listening and you have access to our phone numbers and chats, text us and, and hit us in the chats. Yeah, let us know. What should we name our food restaurant segment? The Grub Report, okay. I mean, if, if that's what you want to do, we can do it. But I want something with some with some pizzazz, with some panache. A little more spicy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Since we're talking spicy. Uh Uh-oh. What you got? Let's go Mexican. 
Oh, now you're speaking my language. I went to a place that's just so dreamy in East Chicago. <laughs> dreamy. Okay. Now, as you walk up to this restaurant, you're going to ask yourself, why am I eating here? <laughs> then when you go into this restaurant, you will find that it is probably a former castle that they serve Mexican food in. Oh, my God. What in the world? It's called Casablanca. Okay. All right. I think it's on Indianapolis Boulevard in East Chicago. Casablanca, Mexican food. Very good. Very good. Not even overly spicy. If you like spicy, because I had a relative with me, and he likes spicy, and he kept complaining it wasn't spicy enough, I personally think this relative is crazy. He probably wanted to burn his face off. <laughs> but great, great food. I had the uh, enchiladas. Oh, yes. I had the enchiladas. The enchiladas were delicious. Some of the best Spanish rice, authentic Spanish rice I've had. Okay. Okay. And had refried beans. And guess what? Had the refried beans, and at no point in that day was I gassy. Really? Non-gassy beans? Never heard of that. All right. It, it was, I mean... It was a blessing. It, it was from the heavens, wherever these beans were taken. <laughs> these angelic beans, huh? Angelic beans. Included. Okay. So, Casa Blanca. May I please ask what meat, sir, you had on in your enchilada? Chicken. Ah, yes. Chicken. Okay. I'm not a... My daughter had the steak taco. Okay. All right. Okay. Very well, very well. Steak was well seasoned. I can also recommend what my wife had. My wife had the taco salad. I can also recommend it. The taco salad is virtually a huge nacho plate. Yeah, really. So, but it was humongous. I think it was like eight bucks. It's worth it. Trust me. You know what? I... I have to I have to admit this and I've said already so this is not a knock please on the culture so please don't take it as such for all of you who are listening do not take this as a knock but I just find it amazing and this is just in my humble opinion that they have found a way to make so many different dishes in in Mexican food and yet use mainly some of the same ingredients more times than not, the only thing that's different is either the shell, the tortilla, or whatever they put it in, or if you're dealing with something that's like a hamburger or a torta. But it's the same ingredients, and yet it tastes somehow different. It is amazing the art that, that the, the, these, these Mexican cooks and these restaurants put into their food, man. And that is why I'm a huge fan of Mexican food, because you're, it's almost like you're telling me to eat the same thing but you're giving it to me in different forms. So I won't, you're tricking me into thinking that this is just completely different in my experience. But ultimately, I am eating almost the same ingredients. Just masterful. It's the seasonings. That is, that is true. It is the seasoning. It's the seasonings. Yes. And that's, that's what makes a place stand out. Well, that's what makes a place stand out. Well, I, I have to say, man, I, at first, I, I, I wasn't 
really sure if I had a food spot for this week. And I know usually I do. Chris has said this many times and I've stated this in my job. I am always traveling. But unfortunately, right now, your boy is broke. So even though I travel for work, I have not really endeavored to go to a lot of different restaurants because I am trying to save money. I am trying to be smart and responsible. As annoying as that may be at times, because, you know, you just feel like picking out and eating whatever you want. I haven't really traveled to many food spots. However, there was one place off of work that I went to with my wife and some friends one day that I have not recommended. And that place is called Bocce's Bar and Grill. Now, Bocce's Bar and Grill is not really known for their food more so than their entertainment. There's a lot of different karaoke nights. They play uh, all types of music there. You can go there. It's really like a, 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 a hyped up chill spot. But obviously it's a grill. So they're going to give you food, finger food, certain things that you see it on appetizers and other restaurants. But I have to say they do have one appetizer or one, one, one uh, meal on their menu that is to die for. And it's simple, but it's good. It's the chicken tenders. So if you ever go to Bocce's Grill, check it out. It's the chicken tenders. The address for Bocce's Bar and Grill is on Lincoln Highway. So you got to Google it. It's in Madsen. It's on Lincoln Highway. But try the spicy barbecue chicken tenders. It is amazing. With the fries and a nice tasty beverage. But the chicken tenders are to die for. It's obviously something that is not, you know, out of this world different. Obviously, you know, chicken tenders is not something that's, you know, out of the norm. That's a normal food. But you put that sauce on it, man, it takes it to another level. Spicy barbecue sauce or even the normal barbecue sauce. But try their tenders and you will not regret it. Hmm. Spicy chicken tenders. Finger food. Yeah, man. I promise, and, and, and I'm sorry, guys, if, if you were looking for something a little more exotic from my end, I, I apologize. I will be back on it. Uh, I am getting paid <laughs> tomorrow, so <laughs> hopefully I can put aside a few bucks so I can go somewhere when I'm uh, in uh, uh, my area. I've recently been relocated. I am further north now uh, for my job, so I will be going into some nicer neighborhoods, so I'm sure I'll find something that I've never heard of before some restaurant some hole in the wall i'll get back on it with my uh random food spots chris has definitely been holding it down i, I just got to get back on it or you'll be eating potato salad with raisins in it or that unfortunately Mm-mm-mm. that that sounds disgusting by the way i just want you to know that and no paprika oh my god no 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 <laughs> yeesh well, that'll wrap it up for the Stay Outs podcast. Yes, sir. Put in a lot of time this week. Oh, yeah. The Bears chopped out of our life this week. <laughs> we'll get back on track. They'll, 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 they'll win. They will win. I'm booking it. Monday will be win Monday. It will be a, a happy Monday for everybody. Yep. Next week, we'll be talking about a Bears win. Sorry we couldn't give you the best restaurant options, apparently, because Jordan's broke. We all have to suffer. <laughs> sorry, sorry. You know, hey, you know what? If there is anybody that wants to start a GoFundMe page 
for the Stay House podcast, please do so. You know, DM us that as well. DM us those ideas. If you would like to fund us for our food recommendations and just help us in our, our, our travels, I have no problem with that. That is genius. <laughs> now, that's marketing. Social media, Stay House Podcast, at Stay House Podcast. That is on both Twitter and Instagram. We've been a little more active. You know, the, the, the graph is going upward. So continue to check us out on social media. We'll be even more active at Stay Oz Podcast. It's been a good week. Go Chicago Bears against the Seattle Seahawks. Yes, sir. I've been Chris. We've been with Jordan. Bear down. Talk to you next time. All right, brother. <laughs>